Hey there, welcome to the Northwest Audio Podcast Midweek Formation. My name is Nick, I'm the community pastor here at Northwest, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Luke. Today we continue our walk through the spiritual practices, and we're talking about the practice of stewardship and generosity. All the good things. Let's talk about the monies. People's favorite, favorite practice, favorite conversation to have in the church. A bunch of people just turned off this podcast. They're like, oh, money? <laughs> Turn it off. All done. Listen oh, to, I'll listen to something else. <laughs> I love this topic so much. I know you do. I love it. You do. Not because, not because I love the topic of money, because actually I'm, I'm not very well suited on the topic of money. I don't have a lot of financial acumen. I don't have a lot of understanding of uh, economics. The reason I love this practice of generosity and stewardship is because the topic of money is almost always the last thing to mature in a Christian's life. Mm. It's almost always the last thing to mature in a Christian's life. Which I find funny because Jesus' teaching, if you go to Matthew and go to the Sermon on the Mount, which is like, you know, Matthew's like, if I could sum up Jesus' teaching, this would be it. That's like one of the big things is you cannot serve both God and money. Don't worry about these things because yeah. God will take care of it. Like, you know, generosity flows out of a heart of love and a heart of peace and a heart of joy. Like, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. And you know what? I think it's interesting that it's the last practice on this, the practices. And it's the last one that we always do. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it's, it's the last, yeah, it's the last spiritual discipline. It's the last spiritual, it's the last thing to mature in our life. And I think about when Jesus said um, that it is the love of money. Mm. Was it Paul that said that? It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. So when we talk about money, we're talking about a morally neutral object yeah. that we have ascribed value to. It's a piece of paper or it's a coin, right? So these are inanimate objects. It's us. that We're the ones that have attributed value to it. Right. Because God has attributed value to it. Right. And so if everything in the world belongs to God, anything of value was something that is under his dominion and his control. We don't have nearly the control over money that we think we do. Mm. But money has way more control over us than we want it to. Oh, yeah. More than we'd like to admit. So much more than we'd like to admit. and I. If for for many reasons, and I think that the Bible, when it teaches that it's the love of money that's the root of all evil, really reveals something pretty dark and ugly about the human condition, yeah. which is our trust in money is often superior to our trust in God. Yeah. And this is, this is a massive issue, especially in the church. And the, the classic... Uh, percentages of typically 20% of your church will fund 80% of its budget. Man, I hate to say it, but it's pretty darn true. Now, that's not a slap on anyone's hand. If you're listening, you're like, well, I don't give money. I guess I don't belong there anymore. That's not the point. You could actually exist here for your whole lifetime and never give a dime and be loved on well and be discipled and so forth and so on. But let me tell you a little secret. 
when you begin trusting God with the finances that he has entrusted to you, you will see a spiritual growth, the likes of which you've never experienced. Yeah. And I want to add, that's not because you're tithing. And so God's rewarding you for tithing. It's the act of trusting God with something that is so huge. Like that's such a big part of our lives. And so if you're willing to trust God with that big of a portion of your life, like that, if you're trusting God with your money, that means you're trusting God with your security. You're trusting God with your, um, you know, the way you're going to make ends meet your comfort. Like you're giving a lot more than a dollar to God. Hmm. You know, I think of the story when the, um, you know, Jesus is telling about like who gives more, the woman that gives the one penny that she has or that, you know what I mean? Like that woman who's giving the one coin that she has to give is not just giving a coin. She's giving everything that would give her security, comfort, clothes, food, like the things that she needs to live on. She's saying, I give it to God and I'm trusting that this will work out. I'm trusting that God has my back, that God will take care of me because I want to give towards the mission. Yep. Oh man. So let's talk about stewardship and generosity. Okay. And let's put these two words in the right order. Generosity presumes stewardship. Mm. The most generous people I know are the ones who steward the best. Mm. And there is a commitment to wisely stewarding the resources that God has entrusted to them. And therefore, generosity is an outcome of that wise stewardship. So someone just doesn't like magically become generous. It's like, it's like if we taught our church to be generous, many of them would be like, how? The how is stewardship. Stewardship creates the opportunities for generosity. Mm. If you are stewarding wisely, and I think of Matthew 25, right? Uh, when um, the, the master uh, gives the bags of coins to his servants and two of the three servants were able to invest it and use it to create additional income and one doesn't do anything with it. And he was very high. Jesus had to hype this, you know, this parable, you know, the masters, Jesus, Jesus had high praise for the two that took the, the funds and reinvested them. What, like, what's the point of Matthew 25 is that God expects a return on his investment and he has invested everything in you and is expecting a return on that investment. And there's nothing quite like showing God that you are trustworthy with it, with what he has entrusted to you than stewardship. Stewardship is so important for an individual, for a family, for a budding church plant. It, it cannot be overstated. Um, you know, reckless spending, overspending, spending money that you don't have, these are all symptoms of a deeper issue going on inside of you, which is your trust of money or your love for money or your love for the money that things can give to you or for you or be, you know, be for you um, is superior to that that you have in, in God. Um, debt is a, is a symptom of a series of bad choices. And it would be amazing if the kingdom of God could learn Matthew 25 in a deep and intimate and transformative way so that we 
would be entrusted with a bag of coins, so to speak, and use it to reinvest in the kingdom of God because God expects a return on his investment in us. That is Matthew 25. Okay, so let's talk about specifically stewardship and generosity. The practice of stewardship is uh, following a biblical framework and a biblical model. And it's in scripture, both in Old Testament and New Testament. And um, even though there's been some disagreement about like New Testament um, uh, obligation, the reality is that Old Covenant law did oblige people. New Covenant ethic of grace, it does not oblige people, but it does compel people, right? So are we required to tithe for our good standing with God? No. However, here's the, here's the asterisk, right? Your good standing with God should have the kind of influence over you mm-hmm. and impact on you to bring you to a place of, I cheerfully and delightfully want to, to give of my resources that aren't even mine forever. I mean, it's, it's exactly and, what and you invest said. Them in the kingdom. It's exactly what you said. You said that, um, you know, our overspending or our, our, our love for things like that, that is a symptom yes, of our mistrust, issue. of a deeper issue. Well, generosity is a symptom of a deeper fulfillment. There you go. It is, a, it is a symptom of how you trust God to, to take care of you yep. and, and the love that you have for people. Because if you think about it, generosity, what it comes down to is it comes down to trusting God that he'll take care of you, but it also comes down to, I care about people so much that I want to give to them. Yep. Is I, I, my love for people goes beyond my need for security. Yes. And I would, I would add to that my love for God. Yeah. My love for God and people goes on beyond my need for for security, because you can't. I mean, uh, this is such a silly joke, but I just I love it too much to not tell it. Like, you, there's no U-Hauls behind your hearse, right? You can't take this stuff with you into eternity. Yeah, and I, you know, as a almost 37 year old with a growing family, a part of this church, I, I, I hear me when I say, listeners, like Nick and I are not exempt from this. Like, nope. we feel this, we live this. We, we are not, we are not spiritually superior in this way. We we have all experienced the uh, power dynamics that come with money, yeah. And we understand how money has the power to control human behavior. Um, but you know who's more powerful than money? God. This is true. God is. is more powerful than money. Yeah. And so, if you want to see the stronghold of money broken in your life, there is nothing like the power of giving to break that stronghold. If, if greed, if, if accumulation has a grip on your spirit, the widow's might concept, the, the giving something to crack the foundation, yeah. to, to, um, to, to give something to open up and break the chains that money can have on people's lives. And so, Yes, generosity and stewardship, this is a practice, but the, the practice comes after there's an intentional like first step. You know, I'm, I'm assuming, Nick, that there's listeners listening right now. It's like, dude, I've never given a dime in my life. And you know what? God loves you. You're included in the kingdom of God. Yeah. You belong to this church because you are church, and God wants more for you. And if you want to see 
maturity rush into your life like a wind. There is nothing quite like the wind of financial obedience. And I have just, I've seen it, man. I've seen it over and over and over in the people, in the lives of the people of this church. I've seen it in, in my own life. Um, I, you know, in, in one sense, I want to make sure that our audience hears this. Like my wife and I would never ask this church to do something that we weren't willing to do ourselves. Yep. The board, the same way. The staff is the same way. There is, uh, there is an, a spiritual expectation of financial involvement. And my vision for this church is that 100% of this church would be financially involved in some way. Yeah. And if you have income regularly, you have the ability to give. Yeah. And I would even say the practice of stewardship and generosity even goes beyond tithing. Yeah, way beyond tithing. Like way beyond tithing. Like if, if you're listening and you're like, okay, cool, I need to give to the church. That's my thing. Like, no, 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 no. Like that is such a small portion of generosity and stewardship. Um, I was listening to uh, the Baymont podcast and Marty Solomon was talking about um, how sometimes in seasons of life, you know, he will, you know, take part in the practice of generosity more than others. So like he'll go through a season of, um, you know, he'll feel in his own inner spirit. He'll say like, you know, like, I think I'm becoming too attached to, to what I have. And so I'm going to give stuff away. And anytime someone asks for help or anytime I notice someone that needs help, I will, I will say yes. I will not say no because I'm in a financial position in where I can and where, and I'm in a spiritual position in which I should. Like, so like we might need to look at ourselves and we might financially not be in a spot to just be like, oh yes. And every time I see a need, I'll just fill it and say, yes, like that may not be the best stewardship. You know what I mean? Like we may have to, to look at our finances and be, be smart about how we do that. But I know for a fact that there are some people that are in a financial position to take a season of life, not forever, but take a season of life and say, I'm in a financial position in which I can, in a spiritual position in which I should mm. give That's beautiful. so abundantly and so generously to people. Yeah. Um, and you want to see the strongholds of yeah. financial control fall away from your heart. That's how you do it. Give your money away and you'll realize, wow, I just have benefited so much from this spiritually and I feel good about this. There was a, a pastor. So when I was in California, I was a part of this um, worship collective in which we would be contracted out to different churches that were missing a worship leader. And so I was, you know, worshiping at a bunch of different churches. And this one church, it was a just tiny little church plant. They were meeting in a hotel. Um, like in like a conference room at a hotel, they were setting up, tearing down every week. And I go there and the, I was talking to the pastor and he was just like, yeah, um, when we moved here, we were coming from Texas and we felt a call to plant a church, um, in this city. And so we gave everything that we had away Wow. and then moved here. And he's like, and God has moved in a way I've never seen him move. And I was like, look at that. Look how, look how the generosity of this, like, I'm not attached to any of the, any of these things. I'm willing to give it all back and to do that. You know what I mean? And he was like, he was like, I've seen God move in a way where like someone needed a car and we gave them our car. Hmm. We had two cars and we said, we don't need to. I can take the bus. <laughs> and so we gave them our car for free. We gave them a car. And I, in my head, I'm just like, whoa, like that's bold. That's crazy. That is craziness. And he's like, but, but God provided in such a beautiful way. Because as I went on the bus, I met people that I wouldn't have, and they came to church. 
Right? Yeah. Like he's like saying all these that's different so cool. stories. And I'm like, wow, God is just so beautiful in you the know, way that he works in that. You know what I hear in that story? You really can't outgive God. No. Right. And so, you, you know, we, we think about like giving to God. And the irony of that statement is that as we give to God, God's God giving, giving to back us. to yes. us. Ten, like tenfold. Yes. Right. You can't outgive them. And so, man, that's such a beautiful story. I think that, oh man, the, 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 the practice of stewardship um, is way more for us in our spiritual growth and maturity than Absolutely. we think it is. You know, we're like, oh, I'm going to have to sacrifice my finances to meet this church goal deal that I see yeah. my church is doing. And the whole time it's like, yeah, but God's got something for you in this. And it's just beautiful. Yeah. It's very much a, um, you know, Paul's whole, in our weakness, we are made strong. Mm. Um, like when we accept the vulnerability and the weakness of being financial, like we're not in control of our finances. When we give the control over to God, that's terrifying. Like, yeah. oh, guys, I cannot say that enough. It is so scary to give, to, to, give to give generously. Like when you first start giving, like more than you feel like, you maybe can, or you like you, more than you ever have before. And you're like, like, this is intense, like giving the control to God. And I don't know if we're going to make it, but I'm, I have to, I have to trust because the only thing I can do is trust that God will, will take care of me in some way, in some way, whether that is like a divine, someone comes up to me and is like, Hey, I feel like you need this or whatever like that. But you know, even if it's the community coming around you, like trusting that God has your back can be really scary. It's like doing a trust fall. Yeah, but you don't know where he's at. Like he might be. <laughs> I did this with the students one an illustration where uh, my dad used to do this with me. We would do trust falls sometimes, and he would be like, like crouched down on the floor, his hands basically at the floor, like, like probably like maybe a half a foot above the floor, and he would say, "Do you trust me? Hmm. Do you trust that I'll catch you, even when it's way down at the floor? I'm not like right behind you. Like my hands aren't right next to you." Like those are easy trust falls when the person's right behind you, but you have to fall a long ways if they're like by the floor. Mm. And he's like, do you trust me? And I feel like God's doing that. He's like putting his hands at the bottom of the floor where we're going to have to fall quite a bit. And we're going to have to trust that he's going to catch us every single time. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I couldn't agree more, man. I think you said it perfectly. I think that if I could just encourage every listener on this podcast right now to like, like give God a chance with this. Like, yeah. It's really the only place in scripture where he says, test me. Yeah. Right. It's the only place that he says, test me. Um, and man, I just think that there's a lot of you um, who are not willing to test God. Uh, you can test God on finances. Yeah. And can we just, can we jump into some, what I would call really uncomfortable weeds for a second? Oh, I, I mean, it's the last podcast of our season, right? Is right yeah. now. This is true. So our listeners, you're listening to the last podcast of this year of, excuse me, of this season. We're going to jump back in in yeah, September. We're going to jump back in in September. Yeah. Like we're nine months on, three months off. Okay. Tithe means 10th. And the 10th in scripture was first fruits, not last. Yep. So I want to talk about some really uncomfortable uh, details for a second. I love teaching about this because I have chickens. But I call it my. Uh, you love the chicken teaching. I, I know love this my teaching. chicken teaching. You so love the, you love this. My ten ten eighty chicken teaching. It's based. It's based on, um, the tithe principle. But let me tell you about the power of tithe using the illustration of chickens. 
So if you have, um, if you have a hundred chickens, it's a lot of chickens and they're all producing eggs, but they all don't produce eggs at the same time. Okay. Um, a 10, 10, 80 principle or a tithe would be that the first amount of eggs that came out of the first 10 chickens of the hundred are to be set aside. That's what a 10th is, right? To tithe. It's to be set aside. Um, because chickens have this weird way of like the mature ones have practice laying eggs and they lay like the highest quality eggs. And so there's something about laying down your first fruits, like the stuff that comes in first to be set aside. That is what is known as a as a tithe. So a tithe is not just 10% of your income. A tithe is the first 10% of your income. Yep. Well, you know, a little bit of this is semantics because a dollar value up front is right. the same as a dollar value. It has end. to do, it has to do with the trust. It has to do with the trust. Do you trust that the other 90 chickens will also produce eggs? And if you know anything about God, you'll look back in your history and be like, yep, God always provides. So where's the other second 10% come from? It's just the simple, it's just the Dave Ramsey deal. Like, you know, give 10%, save 10%, live off 80%. Many of us are trying to live 110 to 120% of our income off of 100% of our income. Yep. We're trying to live 110 to 120% lifestyle off of 100% income. That's what creates debt. Okay. Um, this is a low trust behavior in God. A high trust behavior in God is... Um, I have a hundred percent of my chickens, a hundred chickens are all producing eggs. I'm going to live off 80 of those eggs. I'm going to give 10 of those eggs. I'm going to save 10 of those eggs. This is where the analogy breaks down because you can't really save eggs for very long. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you follow me. You'll okay? have some gross eggs. <laughs> if you save he, them. Yeah. Here's, here is the, here's the power of this, this little analogy of mine. When Ashley and I, bought 12 chickens, we found out that one of them was a rooster. I thought I bought 12 hens. Oh boy. I know. We woke up one morning and I heard, and you, you found out quickly that you I just cockled the dude on the podcast. By you way. did. I'm going to save that. Yeah, please do. And we're like, oh my gosh, we didn't realize it, but one of the so-called hens that we got actually turned out to be a rooster. So we rehomed the rooster because we didn't want a rooster. Do you know what happened in the hen house after we gave that rooster away? What happened at the hen house? The other 11 hens started laying more eggs. Whoa. How? A couple of things. One, uh, we didn't you know, want the rooster, and roosters create a lot of stress in hens' lives. Um, and so unless you're trying to grow chicks, a hen is unnecessary. Excuse me, a rooster is unnecessary if you're trying to grow, if you're not trying to grow chicks. If you're just trying to eat eggs for food, you don't need a rooster. You don't need a rooster if you're right. wanting to hatch the eggs into chicks, which we didn't want to do. It created more room in the hen house. And hens need privacy uh, and peace and space because the number one thing that precludes a hen from laying eggs is stress. 
So if a hen is stress-free, it will lay eggs on a regular basis. What's the working principle here? We can live and do more off an obedient 80% and giving 10 and saving 10 than we can do living off of 100% and not giving 10 and not saving 10. There is something mysteriously spiritually powerful about obeying God with a tenth. God is more aware of your financial reality than you are. Here's, here's one more layer to this, uh, this cake. Uh, big fan of Donald Miller. Uh, he wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz. He started a, a marketing company. Yeah, great book. He's got some other good books in there. And he started a, a marketing company called like Story Brand and helping businesses and churches grow, what, whatever. A real, real neat guy. Uh, I listened to a podcast from him recently, and he said something that I will never, ever forget. And this kind of flies in the face of uh, conventional Christian thought, but uh, give me the opportunity to, to share it, okay? He said, um, some of the wealthiest people that have ever walked on the planet have been biblical characters, okay? Mm. And by his best estimation, as long as the money is not loved, but God is loved, uh, money really, you know, is a morally neutral object, right? It's the yeah. love of money that's root of all evil, not money. Yeah. It's the love of money. So he challenged all the listeners to say, if you are a Christian, you really should be, based on Matthew 25, be making as much money as you possibly can because every dollar you don't make, someone with evil intentions will make and use it for evil reasons. Interesting. And that just was like a crashing wave in my face. Now I'm a pastor, so I'll never make a ton of money, nor do I even care about making a ton of money. That's not really why we're pastors. But for someone who is good at making money in the marketplace and you are a Christian, you should never feel bad about your talent of making money. Yeah. Because hear me say, your pastor say, you should make as much money as you possibly can to Matthew 25, reinvest it in the kingdom of God, steward it wisely, and also take it out of the enemy's hands. Yeah. Because every dollar you don't make, an evil person with an evil intention will make and use it for evil reasons. And it's all God's. The kingdom of God should be the best funded institution on the planet Earth. Simple as that. Now, does that fly in the face of conventional um, piety? I, I think so. Um, and obviously, there's a little bit of balance to be had there. Um, but, you know, you look at some of these biblical characters like Abraham. You look at Moses. You look at Noah. These are some of the wealthiest characters in all of Scripture. Many of the princesses throughout Scripture were some of the wealthiest characters uh, throughout the monarchy. Um, so uh, wealth does not intimidate God. Wealth does not scare God away from us. Mm. Um, but God definitely does not want money to control our hearts. Yeah. And that, to me, is the principal issue, yeah. is you are Absolutely. either going to be able to trust God or money, and trying to trust both at the same time is impossible. It doesn't say in the Scripture... You shouldn't trust God and money. So you can't yeah. trust God and money at the same time. One will be your master yep. because that's the way it works. You don't have a choice. One will master your heart. Make sure it's God. Yeah. 
that's a huge thing. I mean, with all of these practices, but especially this one, it is 1000% a heart thing. And I think that the topic of money is just so scary for a lot of people and so uncomfortable for people Yeah. Um, that especially in the church, this just often gets missed. People are like, oh, they just want my money. They just want me to give. They just want me to do this. And if I don't give, then good things won't happen to me. And if I do give, then like, that's not how God works. God is not this like, you know, transactional, like, oh, let's see how much money they gave me. And so I'll give them good things. Like, no, this is, this is, this is an, like, Jesus is examining how reality works. And he says, the one who trusts God over money will see the blessing. And it's because they've trusted God over money in their heart. It's not because you gave. It's not because, it's not the doing the act of giving. It is the trusting. Okay, and that that goes to, to show your point even of like the, there's nothing wrong with making money. It's the keeping money for yourself and the being selfish with money and the being greedy with money rather than being generous and stewarding wisely. Because it's it's not a giving issue, it's a heart issue. Yep. Because if you're making money and you just want to keep it for yourself and you don't want to give it and you're stingy with it, like, it's not that God's mad that you're not giving. God is, God is saddened by the fact that you're, you're not willing to trust him. He's like sitting here next to you and he's like, you don't trust me. Please trust me. Trust me, trust me, trust me. And, and, and that person would be sitting there saying like, no, nah, I don't trust you with this. This is mine. This is a heart issue this is not a a act issue um yeah it's a thousand percent a heart issue and you know there's literally nothing wrong with making money and there's everything wrong with making money your god yeah and god just doesn't want that for us and, and, he, no. and I, but he knows how powerful money is yeah uh, but he is more powerful and so if we could just find a way to trust him and little things little things like um giving something. I always tell people like, dude, if you want to see some of this stuff break through in your life, like if you, if you want to get to 10, you know, 10%, start at like 0.5. Yeah. Start small. That, and that's with all of these practices. Start, at 1%. start so small. I mean, it's all about creating space so that God like can fill that space and make you into a more loving person, make you more like Jesus. And like that starts, that can start small. That doesn't have to be no. this like big audacious goal to just go for it. Like you can't, it's, 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 that's difficult to just like go cold Turkey and be like, yeah, I'm going to do it all the way. You know what I mean? Like start small, start with what is doable and what is um, easy and attainable. Um, you know, it could be as simple as like for the next week, every time I see a homeless person, I'm going to give them money. Hmm. Like that's a, that's an easy thing that, a lot of us, we see a lot of homeless people around and like how often do we actually like give versus like pondering giving, trying to not make eye contact and then like <laughs> driving off. Like, you know, take a week or a couple of days or whatever and be like, if I see a need, I will fill it. Or if, you know, just, just all kinds of things like that. Things of that be creative, think through it, think, look at your, um, your finances, your, your bank account and be like, you know, what can I, what can I give? What am I able to give up mm -hmm. that would, that would stretch me a little bit? Um, you know, and maybe that's even like, I was saving up for this one thing, but I need to acknowledge that, um, I don't need that thing. 
and it, this may, this might be a better use of my money. Mm-hmm. Um, simple things like that, or or the or the simple disciplines of getting away from like what can I do with my money to what can I do with God's money. Oh, and that's like, great! You yeah. know, changing ownership in your mindset and allow you know pushing yourself and disciplining yourself to be like I'm stewarding something that's really not even mine. Like it's it's it belongs to God, but for whatever reason, it's temporarily entrusted yeah. to my hands. Um, it's you know. In one part, it's part. In one part, it's meant for me to live, and another part, it's meant for me to steward and be generous with, and um, fund the kingdom. Because Matthew twenty five, God expects a return on His investment. Investment isn't to us, and so there's just a lot there. Can, can I close with this story? Because I feel like you know stories always like really capture the spirit of things. But my wife and I, and I'm going to tell a story, and I'm I'm going to tell it to you because we've not always done this right. Mm. Um, but then we made some changes in our life. And we've seen God really like step into that space. When Ashley and I got married, well, we quickly got into some debt um, because we were living beyond our means, right? We were living, um, we were living 110 to 120% lifestyle off 100% income, yeah. right? And um, we realized, oh, shoot, you know, uh, how, you know, how do we get out of this? <laughs> how, do, how do we get out of debt? <laughs> And so, you know, it, you know, it took us a minute and we, this is, you know, 11 years ago now, but we, we got out of debt. Um, and I'll never forget when Ashley and I moved home from Arizona, we realized that we had taken a really big pay cut from the church that we came from. And I'll never forget she and I deciding that we're going to just be financially obedient with this at the time, a very modest income. Um, grateful for it, but very modest. And I say this with like absolute honor and reverence to the Lord. And I say this, um, I would say this to our to our church family, but I have never once in the last eight years asked for a raise. And the reason that I'm saying that is because um there's something to trusting the process mm. of just being obedient. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a snowball effect to the, that obedience. And you you just you just obey and you just if you have income you can tithe. And if if you just start at 1% or 5% and maybe work your way up to a full 10%, um what I think that you will discover is that as you live in a perpetual state of financial obedience, God has a mysterious way of giving back to you and entrusting you with more. My wife exited her uh, group practice to start her own private practice, uh, I don't know, like maybe a year or two ago now, and it dramatically changed our financial reality. And I'll never forget Ashley's first words out of my mouth after she ran her numbers. She's like, wow, Luke we're really going to be able to give a lot more. And I realized in that moment that something had changed inside of her and inside of me mm. um, over the years of obedience. Something had changed into the principal desire was to not necessarily make more. The desire matured into, I want to give more. Mm. And I only share this with our listeners right now not because I'm special. Trust me, 
I'm not special. It took a long time to get to that point too. There was a long, painful process we had to trust to just get to 10%, stay at 10%. There have been opportunities that we've been able to give over 10%, but there's just something powerful about the long form process of obedience. You run that play long enough, all of a sudden there's like this um, compound effect that happens. It's like a spiritual compound interest that happens. Um, the reason I'm just so thinking passionate about this is because I'm so passionate about discipleship. Yeah, This is always the last thing that is discipled in someone's life is finance is finances. Um, so I realize I'm kind of like being a dead horse right now, but I know that we've <laughs> spent a lot of time on this particular topic, yeah. but any closing thoughts or comments or what, you know, where's your head at dude? My, my head right now is that, um, I keep thinking of this, this one time. I think about the ownership of like the money is not ours. There was this time back when I was living in California, it was right before I left. Um, right before I moved and we had this event for the fundraiser for a friend of mine um, who was trying, he, they couldn't afford the treat for MS, treat him for MS. And so they were trying to raise money. And so we did a big fundraiser because um, we were all performers. And so we all did, we all had this concert thing and we, it was hosted at a church and the pastor of this church who was another friend of ours. He gets on the stage and he says, our friend needs this treatment. He's like, you are here because you are friend. You are a friend and you know him and you are here for him and you want to support him. He said, the money to pay for his treatment in full is in this room. Hmm. I love that. That's awesome. He said, the only problem is that it's still in your pockets. <laughs> so dope. And I was back there and I was like, whoa, that's bold. <laughs> but it's so true. Yeah. Even think of like Acts 2. They said, like, nothing's mine. We share everything. Mm. Like, there was so much power and grace in that because they were like, this is just, this is for our community. There's enough money for every single person in this room to get by. Enough money for every, every need to be met. The problem is that it's, is that we're holding onto it for ourselves, that we're not trusting God with it. And that, and that our love, our love for God and our love for people Exactly what Jesus is all about. He says, this is the sum of the law and the prophets. Love God and love your neighbor. Our love for God and our love for people does not surpass our love for money. Hmm. That's, that's the problem we're trying to counteract here. And so this practice is all about creating space for God to change that. Hmm. For God to just kind of switch those levels around and say, my love for money does not surpass my love for God and my love for my neighbor. Hmm. And so I will walk into this room and I will see a need and I will try to meet it to the best of my abilities because that's that's what's more important that's more important than having enough money to to be comfortable to be more comfortable than I am right now or to do more things or to um, be able to spend more money because I just want that kind of lifestyle the money is in the room the problem is that it's still in our pocket <laughs> I love that I love that I'm totally going to rip that off man <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just so good yeah. it's just so meaningful for me to think about it like that that it's not ours it's and the money is there and the kingdom can thrive and the community can thrive if we're only willing to trust god with it yeah oh would you just have the courage and the grace to to trust god and begin a, a life with the lord that includes his finances that he's entrusted yeah. to you 
Yeah, that's the best. That's our prayer for for you, our friends, our listeners. Um, and the last podcast. And this is the last Not, podcast. Nothing like to send everybody yeah. off with uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> this conversation. Oh, man. This no. has been really fun, though. This, this has, has been, been the good. coolest. This has been a good um, first season, good run man, of these things. It was. Um, Just to think back, like we used to like do podcasts, you know, reviewing the Sunday message and that was awesome. And now we've done practices. This has been awesome. Yeah. I'm excited for, uh, yeah. What are we going to do next year? Back in the fall. We've got, I've got a lot of exciting things planned. I actually, most of 2024 already planned. Look at you, man. Um, community pastor. Got all kinds of stuff for the win. Got all kinds of stuff set up for us. Uh, we'll have some guest speakers, all sorts of different things. Um, so stick around, um, for that. Be patient. Wait for it to come in September. Uh, right um, after Labor Day, something like that. Yeah, right after Labor Day, something, okay. some, somewhere around there. I can't remember the, the exact date off the top of my head, but um, yeah. Until then, we're just gonna have Sunday Sunday morning stuff go on the podcast, and uh, yeah. So if you have any questions or things you want us to talk about when we come back, um, I know it'll be a while to get the answer to it, but you can still send it to us, and we'll still be happy to just like email you if you want. Yeah. <laughs> we're happy to walk through life with you. Um, so you can let us know by going to the media tab on our website and all the things you can get a hold of us as always by going to the website as well and catching our emails there. Um, we'd love to be in connection with you and be in contact with you. So thanks for joining us this, this first season, I guess we could call it season's a good word for it. And we'll see you in September. 